Welcome to the Growing in Grace podcast, where you can listen in on some casual conversation about the good news of Jesus without all of the inconsistent religious double talk. If you've ever struggled with feelings of hopelessness, guilt, and despair, or wondered if you're really right with God, it's time to discover the true freedom that comes with the gospel of unlimited and overflowing grace. We're podcasting again. Welcome aboard. Double your flavor, double your fun. With me, Mike Kapler, and him, Joel you know, Brzezinski. You know where I, you know where I get good flavor is from my coffee pods that I've been uh, making coffee <laughs> Co- out of. Did you say? Did you say coffee pod <laughs> with a D and not a T? <laughs> yes, coffee pod D. I just discovered them recently. I know they've been around for a long time, but at work they put in a, a coffee pod maker and so i've been I, doing that you know i'm not a coffee drinker and i think it's of the devil <laughs> so can you <laughs> that's a joke of the devil. Um, well, how does that work uh how does it work you put yeah a... i mean what what is a pod a coffee pod so if you were to throw a pod <laughs> would it be like a podcast <laughs> that's right and that's all I really meant to say. We're doing a podcast. I cast my pod. No, it's, <laughs> you know, traditional coffee maker. I've used that all my life. You put the grounds into a filter, and you put the water in, and you make coffee. And, and I know for years they've had these, um, you know, little pods that you can buy a special coffee maker. You put the little pod in, and you can make yourself a little um, a cup of coffee at a time. And I always thought, that's too expensive. I'm never going to do that. Then at work, they... They put one in. They brought one in, and I'm like, I'm never going to use that. It's too expensive. And then I ended up finding some on sale, and I bought them. And I'm like, I like this. Ah. <laughs> and so I'm, and so I'm, I'm hooked. And it's cheaper than going out to um, some place and getting some coffee. When I'm when I'm at work, uh, I can drive around and I can go to different places and get coffee. But this is I found it's a cheaper way. So anyway, that's. It's what will they think there, of but, next? Well, you know, coffee drinkers they. Joel, they kind of caused me to stumble. <laughs> oh, well, for your conscience' sake, I'm going <laughs> to stop this. Then, even though you don't see me doing it, <laughs> I'm just talking. I'm just telling you about it. But yeah, that that's 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 a nice little intro into what we're going to be talking about today. A segue, as a we segue. used to say in radio. Yeah, not S E G W A Y, as I used to think it was spelled. Segue. But isn't that S E G U E, right? Well, I didn't know you were going to ask me to spell it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to do that to you sometime. See how you like it. Well, I like I I'm into that type of stuff. <laughs> anyway. Well, we don't really have the time to drastically cover what we've been through, but we've kind of been on a series for quite a number of weeks now. And the the last couple of weeks, we've been in Acts 15, and we want to get through this because James just explained to a controversial audience, one that was divided, as to whether Gentiles needed to obey the law like the Jews were doing, (laughs) or whether they had to come up with something else. Well, James came up with sort of a compromise, if you will, if I can use that word here. Uh, to try to please those Judaizers and the Pharisees who were believers in Jesus who felt that it was required that Gentiles keep at least certain aspects of the law, such as circumcision and so forth, in order to really be saved. And Peter, Paul, Barnabas, perhaps others, 
who had been working with bringing salvation to the Gentiles, uh, had a different point of view. And so this is what's going on in Acts 15. It, it was a big debate. It was a big deal. It was a confusing time uh, as well because the Gentiles weren't getting the gospel shared with them for quite a number of years. And we covered that in the beginning of our series. But now here we are with this going on, and, and James comes up with four things that we covered last week. And those four things, it is my judgment among the Gentiles, they should abstain. Okay, we won't give them the whole law, but they should, we'll give them some of it. And it looks like very little, but it was quite substantial in the everyday lives of Gentiles in those regions when it came to, to their lifestyle, when it came to their food and how they would eat and that sort of thing. So we want them to abstain from idols, fornication, what is strangled, and blood. Again, go back to last week's program for more detail on that. The one we didn't cover on the, on the four, Joel, is fornication. And you, you read different commentaries and different theologians, and they're all, well, a lot of them are, are quite perplexed, or it's not quite certain as to why James threw fornication in here amongst these other three things that were obviously related to each other. And the only conclusion that we can come to here, really, based on some other things we see written in the scriptures, particularly something that, that Paul said when he was writing to the Corinthians, is that fornication or uh, sexual immorality was kind of part of the culture of this this whole thing that was related to idols and, and uh, animals and how they were offered to idols and the, the blood. For the, the sexual immorality was somehow tied into that within the culture. And I don't know if there's much more to, to say about that, but he didn't just pull that one particular thing from the law and mix it in with these randomly. There, there was a connection between them. It just wasn't as obvious of a connection as it was with the idols, the strangled animals instead of those that have been drained and, and from blood. And so I just wanted to mention that so that people didn't think we we were ignoring it. Right. And it's, again, it's something you just kind of skim over if you're not really thinking about these things. And, and we don't really pay much attention. We just read right by Acts 15, 28, where he's written the letter, and um, and also the uh, Acts um, uh, verse 20, where he first mentions this, where they're discussing this. We write to them to abstain from these things. They write a letter, hey, you know, um, we don't want to put any greater burden than necessary, uh, except for these things. <laughs> and it's it's interesting that he mentions them as a burden, and then he puts these writes these things that actually really do come from the law, because we know that Paul had called the law bondage. He called it the ministry of death and condemnation, and it wasn't something that was going to actually help people. The law never did help people. Through the law, sin increased, and Paul said that when the law came, you know, sin, sin increased, sin revived, and I died. And so why would somebody want to add these things and put these things upon Gentile believers? And what I, what I find interesting, too, is that while um, James says that it seemed good to lay no greater burden than these necessary things— when you look at what Paul wrote regarding things offered to idols, for example, 
Just think of the contrast here. So when we did our series on Paul and James and faith and works, we're not down on James. We're not putting him down. One thing we need to really point out here is that there really was this confusion in the early years of the church. This was really happening to these people. We take it for granted that nowadays we know that the gospel is really simple. There's no rules. It's not about following rules and commandments, uh, burdensome rules and commandments. It's not about, um, well, now you're saved, but here's, here's a list of things you have to do. Yeah, there are things that go along with daily living in Christ that we pay attention to, but it's really Jesus who we're focused on and our life in him, our, our, our new identity that we have in him. And when it came to things like idols and things offered to idols you know in first corinthians paul was responding to some questions that the people had in corinth and he said in verse corinthians 8 now concerning things offered to idols we know that we all have knowledge knowledge puffs up but love edifies now interestingly here he's talking about idols here when he talks about love puffing up or or, uh, knowledge puffing up now knowledge about anything can puff up but the context here is idols And he says, now, concerning the eating of things offered to idols. (laughs) Now, remember, contrast this with what is being said in the book of Acts, what James says. We know that an idol is nothing in the world and that there is no other God but one. So even if there are so-called gods, whether in heaven or or on earth, as there are many gods and many lords, Uh, Yet for us, there is one God, the Father, of whom are all things, and we for him, and one Lord Jesus Christ, through whom are all things and through whom we we live. So what he's saying here is that it's food that's been sacrificed to idols. It's nothing. It, It doesn't matter. It's okay. You don't even have to worry about that stuff. But he says, however, not everyone has that knowledge. For some, with consciousness of the idol, until now eat it as a thing offered to an idol and their conscience being weak is defiled so what just to break down what he's saying here real real simply he's saying it's okay you know eating meat that's been sacrificed to an idol it's really nothing it's not a big deal it's okay because an idol is nothing and he goes on in, in romans 14 and, and in two chapters later in first corinthians 10 he, he talks about this as well if it's going to bother someone else's conscience then out of love don't do that. But he's not laying down a rule. Paul does not lay down a rule that says, or a burden, you cannot eat meat, food that's been sacrificed to an idol. Paul is talking about love, out of love for somebody else's conscience. Then, you know, take into consideration somebody else's conscience. Don't don't fight about these things. Just for somebody else's conscience, just let them do what they, what they think. It's really okay. So contrast that with, with what James said, that it's a burden that the Gentiles need to follow. So that's really what I wanted to bring out of that, that it's, on the one hand, James is saying they cannot do these things. Make make sure they stay away from these things. And Paul is saying, yeah, it's okay. Uh, just don't do it if it's going to hurt someone else's conscience. Yeah, you know, Paul told the Corinthians, all things are lawful. Not all things are helpful or profitable. Um, not all things build up. Uh, let no one seek his own good, but the good of his neighbor. So then he, he's continued. This is a context here. There's a whole chapter on this in First Corinthians 10. Whatever is sold in the meat market without raising any question on the ground of conscience, eat whatever is sold in the meat market without raising any question on the ground of conscience. In other words, if, if he says, if an unbeliever invites you to dinner, 
and you are obligated to go. Eat whatever is set before you without raising any question on the ground of conscience. In other words, where did the meat come from? Was it you know, given to an idol you know, and then cooked? <laughs> Don't even bother asking. But if someone says to you, this has been offered, this is like this unbelieving person asks you, uh, this has been sa- uh, offered in sacrifice, then don't eat it for the sake of the one who informed you, not for your sake, because you know there's really nothing wrong with it. Uh, It's for the sake of the conscience of the person who invited you to the dinner. And and so that kind of all ties into what we're reading about here in in Acts 15. It was a big cultural issue between Jews and Gentiles. But I'm glad you said that about James. We're, We're not down on James. We're not down on the people who believed, the Jewish people who believed they were still embracing the law, they were still to follow the law. We're not down on that. We're not being critical of them for that. It was a confusing time. And Joel uh, said something, I think, off the air, if you didn't say it on this program, but I know you said it before we started recording, and that is James' comment here in Acts 15, 20, and 21, it is one of confusion for a couple of reasons. Number one, (laughs) this whole thing, this whole thing with Gentiles getting saved uh, and Peter having the vision, it started with, go ahead and eat everything. Right. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) That's how the whole thing started. And the other thing I would mention that we brought up in the past, especially when we talked about the Sermon on the Mount, Joel, um, several times in the Old Covenant writings, the Old Testament, God said that nothing shall be taken away from the law and nothing shall be added to it. The law is the law. It's either all in place or it's going to be replaced. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But you couldn't mess with it. Um, You couldn't, you know, line item veto things and say, well, this applies and this applies, but this section over here doesn't apply. That was never the case. That's just theological mumbo jumbo when people say that sort of thing. But that's exactly what James said here when he said, okay, we're not going to have them keep the law, but we want them to abstain from these things from the law. So there's some confusion there. But when they come down uh, and and they go to the Gentiles, the, the apostles go to the Gentiles with seemingly good news. It seemed good to the Holy Spirit, Acts 15, 28. It seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay upon you no greater burden than these essentials or these things that were necessary, that these things that were deemed to be necessary. Uh, it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and us to lay no greater burden. But the word burden here is you. It's still a burden, <laughs> These people were going to make a huge lifestyle change so that there wouldn't be quite as much division and strife between Gentiles and Jews. I mean, that was the reason for all of this, was to try to keep the Jews who were embracing the law from looking over the Gentiles and having them to continue to do the things they were doing with their food. Uh, It it was a mess, right? And and so we, we see some of that here in Acts 15. Yeah, and I think it was quite a mess back then that that we take for granted today. We have a hard time putting ourselves in their in their shoes uh, knowing that the Jews for centuries had been under the law and then Jesus came along with the gospel and his own sacrifice for sins that would justify people would be justified by his blood. People would be justified by grace through faith apart from the works of the law. And that message being spread, you know, especially later on by Paul, he received that revelation directly from God and he spread that. And yet here we have in 
again, some confusion in those early days where, well, yeah, but you got to, you know, we want you to do these necessary things. We want to lay upon you no greater burden than these necessary things. Whereas Paul. And jo- Joel, let me, let me jump in here. Uh, I wanted to squeeze this in and I forgot about it, but there is a helps word study. And I know you take this with a grain of salt sometimes with these, uh, these different things that, that help us with language. But this 1528, we wanted to lay no greater burden upon you than these essentials or what was necessary. The Helps Word Study says, when it comes to this word, Strong's 1876, uh, what seems necessary or suitable given the particular situation. And that word is only used in Acts 1528, by the way, that word necessary or essential. Mm-hmm. And the contrast that I make here with that is that Paul made no such thing. And in fact, he said he, he was saying the opposite. And so that's that's why there's such confusion, I think. It, not only in these early days, uh, because this added something, this added something to the gospel that wasn't really gospel. And then today, if a, if a person really does read these things and think that um, this is for life in Christ today, it's adding something to us that Paul, in, in in fact, like I had said, he kind of preached the opposite. Nothing wrong with food that's been uh, uh, offered to idols. If you eat blood, you know, things strangled might not be the best thing for you, but it, you don't have to keep these things that are from the law. That has nothing to do with life in Christ. Uh, you're free. You are free. And um, just, you know, for the sake of someone else's conscience, okay, yeah, uh, keep that in mind. But in these early days and years of the church, they were trying to figure things out. And when we read these things, we've got to remember that it had been later on figured out. You know, Paul had received this revelation of the gospel and, and the understanding. And so we, we realized that this is just a story of what happened. And, and we, as we read in Acts, it's, it, this is what happened. And as we continue on with this, I mean, it's not necessary. We don't read these words and go, oh, this is what we're supposed to do. But we understand that there was a confusion and a difference of opinion in those early years. And and finally, we received the the revelation of the gospel that that Paul had gotten. And I know uh, we've got some more things to say on this, you know, getting into Acts 21 and how some of this stuff still was going on, even many years later. And then as we continue, we'll uh, pick up on some of that as well. So stay close here to the Growing in Grace podcast. This has been Growing in Grace with Mike Kapler and Joel Brzezinski. Heard online through various internet sources around the world each week. Access past programs by visiting growingingrace.org. Share it with a friend and listen again next week for more Growing in Grace.